So thank you very much, uh, everybody, uh, for uh, joining on uh, today. Um, welcome um, to our first uh, virtual SIP uh, Central London branch event. Uh, these last uh, few um, um, weeks, months have been, I'm sure, very difficult uh, for uh, uh, everyone. Um, and so um, um, we thought that our first uh, event uh, would be on uh, uh, our health and, and well-being. So just to present myself, I'm uh, Amel Mestari, SIPS Central London Branch Chair. And we are honored today to have Ligi Webb as our keynote speaker on the importance of positivity and how to manage our emotions. Ligi is an award-winning and best-selling author, presenter, presenter and a keynote speaker, an international consultant specializing in life skills. She is also the founding director and CEO of a learning architect, an international consortium of life skills specialists. She's recognized as a thought leader on resilience and behavioral agility and works with a wide range of businesses, helping people to be more resilient agile and healthy in a volatile, uncertain and highly complex world. I've had the pleasure of meeting Ligi, in fact, uh, last year, um, where she came uh, within our business and did uh, uh, a training on resilience. And um, I thought that it would have been good also for uh, uh, Ligi to, uh, to come today. So Ligi will be doing the presentation first, and then we will have uh, some questions and answers. I'm sure that you've all used uh, the Zoom uh, uh, before. So if you can put any other questions that you want uh, uh, to ask, that would be great. I hope you all enjoy today. Thank you very much. Ligi? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for the lovely introduction and good morning, everybody. Uh, I think this is a good topic to start off with on a Monday morning, get us all in the right frame of mind for, for the week coming ahead. And this is very much about focusing on the thoughts that we have, positivity, positive thinking, and how we can manage some of our emotions. Somebody described to me the other day that they felt the situation they were going through was um, a corona coaster because since everything really started early spring, late winter, early spring, we, we have all been in you know, a very challenging situation. And I also heard a very good expression the other day that I thought was very apt. And that is that whilst we're all in the same storm, we're all in different boats. And I think that's certainly true, isn't it? Because everybody is being affected in different ways. So what I'd like to do during this presentation is cover off with you some ideas and suggestions in terms of how you can manage your emotions through this, as I said, you know, real roller coaster. So hopefully there'll be lots of nuggets of information that you'll be able to take away. Also, just to let you know, I've put together some little packs for you as well. Um, and there'll be some links that you can access for extra information to support what I'm going to cover here. Because I'm going to talk for about 25 minutes and then I'm going to hand over to you and just see if you have got any questions that you'd like to ask and please do feel free to get in touch with me directly afterwards if there is um, any, any other additional questions that you would like to ask. So I know that uh, I've just had a lovely introduction there but I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of the work that I'm currently doing because I think it's quite useful to know what my background is and some of the insights that I've got working with lots of organisations and around some of the challenges. So um, for the last, oh gosh, nearly three decades now, I've been working with organizations 
all over the world to essentially be able to help people within those organizations to build up their strength, their resilience, their ability to be more agile and embrace change and to have the right kind of mindset to be able to fathom what we call this fourth industrial revolution. So uh, before coronavirus happened, we were certainly heading for, for very kind of volatile, challenging, rapidly changing times. And of course, put the current situation into the mix. It has presented us all as human beings with a lot of challenges that we have to navigate. Now, I'm a passionate researcher. I like to find out what's very current, uh, what works for us as, as human beings and the kind of skills that we need. So we use this sort of generic term of life skills, but it's very much about equipping us with the kind of skills that we need in order to be able to behave in a way that is going to help us to be stronger, that's gonna help us to be happier as well, because that's important in our lives, and also to, to be healthier. I write books, uh, including my bite-sized book library. I've actually written uh, over 30 books now on a variety of different topics uh, to, to help people to live better lives. And that essentially is, is the kind of work that I do. I've worked as a consultant for the United Nations for about 12 years. So I've traveled all over the world with the UN and in some very interesting places. I've had the chance to work in some of the war zones, some of the peace missions. But certainly with some of the organizations that I've been working with, it's, it's been really quite fascinating. So I've worked with lots of organizations, including the, the UN, the, the World Trade Organization, the NHS. I'm, I'm doing lots of work with frontline workers at the moment. But I also work with um, banking sector, financial sector, construction. Um, and, and I'm also working with Walt Disney at the moment. So I've got lots of, lots of variety. So that's great because it gives me an opportunity to be able to really understand how people are experiencing in every sector some of the challenges that we're being presented with. Now, I am a big fan of keeping things very straightforward and simple. I like to distill any unnecessary complexity. So what I'd like to do during this presentation is just share with you some thoughts and ideas to help you to gain a, a different perspective, I guess, on some of the things perhaps you might be, be currently thinking about. So a bit of fresh thinking uh, for sure. So when I was about, oh gosh, I must have been about 12, my grandmother, who was uh, quite a prolific writer and researcher as, as well, she gave me this book, she presented this book to me by a guy called Vincent Norm, uh, Norman Vincent Peale called The Power of Positive Thinking. And this was the quote in the book. And I rather love this quote because it says, become a possibilitarian, no matter how dark things seem to be or actually are, raise your sights and see possibilities always see them for they're always there and I can remember reading this and, and really looking up and thinking yeah absolutely out of every negative situation that we experience if you drill down deep enough and you really explore there are always opportunities and there are always possibilities and I believe that is something that is very powerful particularly again in the world that we're currently living in you know we're bombarded with so much negativity right now particularly in the media so being able to explore and seek out those possibilities is really powerful so i'm going to ask you to treat this a bit like a giant thought buffet because there may be some things on the table that i share with you that you think oh i don't know i don't know if that's for me and that's fine leave them on the table there may well be some fresh thinking, some new ideas. I'm gonna share a few anecdotal stories that you won't have heard before. And so hopefully that will be interesting for you. However, 
to manage expectation most of the stuff that i'm going to share with you is, is common sense and a lot of stuff you will know and you will have come across before however please remember this it's not what you know it's what you actually do with it that really counts and that is so important you know sometimes i think we're very good at acquiring all the knowledge um, and we have all the information but we don't always discipline ourselves to be able to apply this in a really practical way hence the reason i'm going to really distill this and give you a handful of takeaways things that you can take away that hopefully will make an immediate impact so the question I have, first of all, is how are you? Because, I mean, quite frankly, this has been uh, quite a time, hasn't it? And we don't really know what's around the corner. We're living in the land of uncertainty. And that can certainly induce quite a lot of, of anxiety when we start to worry about the future and what's going to happen. So I'm just going to ask you right now, because a lot of this is about taking time out for you and to have a bit of time for self-reflection as well. So I'm just going to ask you, how are you in terms of a score of one to 10? So if we go down towards zero, not feeling too great, up towards 10, yep, quite, quite buoyant, quite, quite upbeat, but just kind of gauge how you're feeling right now. So just give yourself a score out of one to 10. So I'll just give you a moment to reflect there. Okay, well, I'm, I'm feeling about, I'm feeling probably about an eight or nine at the moment because I did yoga this morning before uh, I started this session. So I'm feeling quite, quite chilled out. And uh, so, so that's quite good. But I know we all have our anxieties. I know myself, you know, I have concerns about how my family are, what's going to happen, you know, in the future as well. So there are quite a lot of, of anxieties that I'm sure that we're all experiencing. Loads of questions in our minds. And what we tend to do as human beings is when we don't know the answer to those questions and we have these gaps of information, we fill them in anyway. And we don't always fill them in with the best case scenario of what's going to happen. You know, sometimes we fill them in with the worst case scenario and some of the doom and gloom. And that starts to bring us down. But what we need to bear in mind is that the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's artificial so if we start to imagine all of these awful things that are going to happen it is going to to drag us down however it's important to remember that we are human and if we go back to our ancestors the brain was wired to react if you like to fear and anxiety um, with stress because that helped us to prepare ourselves to fight uh, or flight or run away or even freeze and play dead and hope that the beast that was going to get us wasn't going to uh, see us. So we would trigger all this stress. So if you think about it, that uncertainty, we start to feel fear and then we trigger all of the different hormones within our body that, that trigger stress. So what we need to do in the world that we're living in is to become a bit more sophisticated in our thinking and always be reactive we also need to be quite responsive, which is different to being reactive. Reactive is kind of doing what we've always done. Responsive is taking time to step back and just consider what our options are all about. And the human mind is becoming more and more sophisticated. I, I've had a love affair with the human mind over the last three decades, really exploring the concept of how we use the mind. And I'm in particular an advocate of positive psychology because I absolutely believe that positive psychology is so powerful in terms of how we fuel our lives, how we manage our emotions, and also how we look after our mental health as well. There's a couple of things that I think are very interesting. First of all, 
we know through the last couple of decade, decades through scientific research that the human mind and the human brain is neuroplastic. So it actually means that we can radically rewire our thinking and we can grow new neural pathways. So we're not stuck with our thinking. We can change the way that we do that. But the brain isn't a muscle, but it's very much like a muscle and we have to exercise it. So every single day we have to exercise, if you like, that positive part of our mind to really build up our ability to have those, those positive thoughts. And the other really interesting piece of science is that we have tens of thousands of thoughts a day. Oh my goodness, we have so much thinking. And the latest research is implying that we have between 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. So the quality of those thoughts is really important in terms of, of how we live our lives. Now, I'm not suggesting for one minute that you don't have any negative thoughts, that all you ever do is think positively. Because if you did that, you'd probably be a bit of a liability. You need to, to be able to balance your life. You need to acknowledge that there will be things in your life. And we are human beings. We're going to experience a whole palette of emotions. You know, we're going to be happy. We're going to be ecstatic, excited. But we're also going to feel pain and sadness and all of those things. But it's how long you want to dwell, if you like, on some of the negativity or make a conscious choice to be able to flip that over and start thinking about something very positive. So the power that we have over those thoughts is really useful to be aware of. And I just want to talk a little bit about how we manage anxiety through uncertainty, because I think that's very pertinent for the world we're living in right now. And then I'm going to explore some ideas and suggestions of how we can think more positively. And as I mentioned, that we will be having some, some Q&A, some questions afterwards. So please, you know, as we go along, if there's some questions you want to ask, drop them down. But I am also going to share lots of support resources with you. So you don't need to take any notes as, as we go through. So the first thing I would say when it comes to managing anxiety, particularly through uncertainty, is not to crystal ball gaze. Because what tends to happen, we take out that crystal ball and we start to look into it and try to try and imagine what the future is going to be like. And if we start to dwell on the negatives, we will start to catastrophize. And catastrophizing will make us worry. And when we get worried, we, we're going to get really anxious. You know, the, the word worry actually comes from the Anglo-Saxon word wirgen, which literally translates into strangle and choke until there is no life left. And I think sometimes when we worry, that, that can do that to us. So we need to balance those thoughts. So if we are starting to look into that crystal ball, we need to start to visualize as well some of the really positive things that could potentially happen as well. And some of the really positive things, perhaps, that we're looking forward to in the future the other thing is to be really honest with ourselves about our inner control freak we all have one some people are bigger than others um, i know personally i love a good plan um, and i do like to be in control of that plan and it's been quite tricky at the moment hasn't it having to to let go of a bit of that planning as well so the idea here is to utilize your energy in controlling the controllables because there will be some things in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis that we can be in control of and of course, there's other things that are out of our control as well. So where we put our energy is going to be really helpful. 
And the other thing as well is to be really mindful of our news consumption. You know, we, we do have a lot of news out there. And sometimes when we go on to social media or look at the news, we get caught into it, don't we? And we go from one news story to the other. And before we know it, we've consumed a lot of time, perhaps being exposed to, to stuff that is very negative. And some of it is, just hasn't been well evidenced. So some of the stuff that we're, we're reading and we're exposed to, there, there's no real evidence behind it. But then we start to believe that that's happening. We start to get quite worried and quite anxious. So a really good set of critical thinking skills at this time particularly is is really important and also be mindful about the amount of time discipline yourself actually set yourself a time you know if you're going to go on and look at the news say right i'm going to spend five ten minutes max here and then i'm going to shut it down and i'm going to focus on something else so timing the amount of time um, exposure you get can be very helpful too and I love this quote by one of the Beatles, George Harrison. He said, gossip is the devil's radio. And there's loads going around at the moment. And sometimes we can get caught into that, you know, speculation, gossip. It's not particularly useful in terms of the quality of how well we're fueling our energy levels and our, our minds as well. And I, I use this term drains and radiators because there are some people in our lives, let's face it, are a bit like drains and they kind of drag us down and they focus on all the negativity and there are other people who are a bit like radiators and they just bring us up and make us feel better and I am going to introduce to you this other character and I refer to this character affectionately but this is the the doom goblin and this really is somebody who just focuses on all the negativity they almost kind of indulge in the bad news and, and they want to share it with with other people as well we have to be quite mindful of the time we spend around people like this simply because they will drag us down there is a term in psychology known as neural mirroring which means we can literally catch another person's negativity and they can bring us down and make us feel not too good and when people get into this kind of victim mentality it creates a lot of drama and if we're not careful, we get frustrated with people like that, or we, or we try to help them, we become the rescuer. And then we realize that all the energy we're putting in trying to rescue them is, is going down the drain because those people don't particularly want to be rescued. And also being honest with ourselves about you know, our internal doom goblin, because I'm sure we've all got times perhaps where we like to have a good old whinge, but we need to be careful that, you know, getting stuff off your chest is one thing and looking for a constructive solution is, is very helpful. But if you're just spiraling all the time in that negative whirlpool, then again, that's going to be very exhausting on your energy levels and it's going to affect mental health as, as well. So positive thinking is really key. As I said, it's not negating the negatives, but it's having the ability to be, be able to acknowledge some of those thoughts and then be able to ask yourself this really important question. If you're thinking negatively, ask yourself, well, what else could this mean? Because then you can start to flip some of those negative thoughts into something that is a lot more constructive and a lot more helpful. So out of those tens of thousands of thoughts that you have a day is making sure that the good percentage, the bigger percentage is positive. And thoughts are powerful. I just want to share this story with you because I think this is a lovely story that really describes how powerful our thoughts are on our emotions. Because this is about a Cherokee Indian grandfather. And one day he's talking to his grandson and he said, you know, inside all of us, there are two wolves that fight. And one of the wolves is good and the other wolf is bad. And the good wolf is all about positive emotions like happiness and joy and compassion and generosity. 
And the bad wolf is all about the negative emotions like bitterness and spite and jealousy and fear. And the little boy looks at his grandfather and says, and which wolf wins? And the grandfather says, the wolf you decide to feed. And I think that is such a powerful analogy. You know, next time you're feeling a really intense negative emotion, wind back and just analyze the thoughts that you were thinking and then start to gradually influence those thoughts into something that is more positive that can feed the good wolf. So I'm now going to share with you a selection box, if you like, of tips and advice in terms of how you can have a positive mindset. As I said, you know, the, the mind is a bit like a muscle in the fact that we have to exercise it every day. It's not like a switch that you just think, oh, I'm going to be positive now. There's lots of little things that you need to weave into the tapestry of your day to be able to create that much more positive mindset. So the first thing is the acknowledgement that you choose your mindset, you choose the responses that you have. If we're not careful, we can start to defend, descend, if you like, into this sort of frame of mind that, you know, the world is making me do this, you're making me feel like this. We have to acknowledge nobody makes you feel anything unless you allow them to. So empowering yourself to understand that all of those thoughts, ultimately, you choose those thoughts. And flipping the script is a really helpful thing to do. So you need to listen to that internal critic sometimes or that internal doom goblin. And you need to be able to listen to the language that you're using because we can put a real downer on ourselves. So for example, when you say, oh, I'll give up, you need to flip it over and say, well, okay, I'll use another approach. You know, you might say something like, um, you know, I can't do this but you might reframe that by saying, I'm gonna train my brain to be able to do this. You know, things like, oh, I made a mistake. You could reframe that by saying, mistakes help me learn. So there's loads of different ways that you can take negative language and adjust it and just reframe it. And that will help you to, to feel a lot better. And I would suggest that right now, the number one quality that is going to help everybody is to adopt a mindset of curiosity. I believe it's the 21st century ultimate life skill, because by having a curious mindset, it helps to stop us self-limiting ourselves. It helps us to be able to open our minds. It was actually Eleanor Roosevelt who said, if I was a fairy godmother and I could grant my godchild one single um, wish and it would be uh, that I would bestow the gift, if you a one single gift rather, I would bestow the gift of curiosity. And blessed are the curious because they have great adventures. So being able to open your mind and to ask questions and to be able to explore and ask yourself, what can I learn? Because right now, even though we're dealing with a very challenging situation, we're also being provided with an opportunity to really be able to test ourselves, to really be able to, to explore and understand different ways of doing things. Ultimately, this is a great opportunity for us to learn and to be able to grow and cultivate what's known as a growth mindset. So opening our minds to possibilities. There's a really good book that was written by a psychologist um, in America called Carol Dweck. And she's written a book called Mindset. And those of you with children may have come across this because I know a lot of her work's being taught in schools now. And she talks about growth mindset and she talks about the ability for us as human beings to tap into that potential and how much better becoming is rather than being. So we're perpetual students, you know, we're, we're part of this kind of lifelong learning. But in the book, she talks about something 
which I think is really exciting. It's called the power of yet. And this word yet is, is quite an interesting one because when we say to ourselves, oh, I haven't been able to do it or it wasn't possible or, you know, I wasn't capable of doing it. You add the word yet. I haven't done it yet. It hasn't been possible yet. I haven't learned this yet. And suddenly it opens up all the corridors in your mind and that motivation and that stimulus to want to learn. And I think that is, is really powerful. I use the power of yet a lot. It's, it's really helpful in terms of helping us to be able to think more positively. And I, I love this quote by Edison. You know, I think uh, the, I don't know whether it's completely true, but I think the, the sort of urban legend has it that he tried nearly 10,000 times to invent the light bulb. And eventually he was obviously successful. And he used this quote here, I failed my way to success. And I think that that's great, isn't it? And also that word fail, you know, very often we can take that word fail and we can score it out and replace it with the word I learned. Because every time, you know, we didn't get something wrong, it's a different way and it gives you a different opportunity to explore new ways of doing things. And we also need to be really mindful of that inner superhero that we all have lurking within us um, that, you know, wants to be perhaps a bit of a perfectionist, wants to, to be able to do everything. We need to recognize that we're human beings and we have so much capability and being aware of those and having some really sensible boundaries. You know, we can't do absolutely everything. Um, you know, this isn't about saying no, it might be saying, yes, I can do something, I can help you, but on my terms and knowing what that is, because a lot of positivity and how we program our minds is about that energy management as well. And I love this image here because this really does imply our belief in ourselves. I, I mentioned I do quite a bit of work with the NHS and patients in recovery. We use this term self-efficacy and self-efficacy is all about how much do you believe in your ability in yourself? How much do you believe in your ability to recover? That's a big part of resilience as well. And having that self-belief, because sometimes it can be the other way around. We can have a little downer on ourselves and be really hard on ourselves and our own worst critic. We need to nourish ourselves, believing in yourself, loving yourself, caring about yourself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, you don't care about yourself, you don't respect yourself, why should you expect anybody else to? So that relationship that you have being your own best friend is, is key. And being open to feedback. You know, we are these perpetual students, as I mentioned before, and it's really useful to also get different perspectives, you know, learn from other people. We all have a blind spot, something that, that we don't know about ourselves or the way we're coming across. And being really open to feedback, not being defensive, seeing it as, as free information, a gift that we can, you know, take on board or not, as the case may be, can be very, very helpful. And being up for a challenge, loving a challenge, we're certainly being presented with one right now. And I've often used this, that the exercise, or rather problems are to the mind, what exercises to muscles actually makes us stronger. So using those challenges to be able to exercise and test ourselves and become stronger is very helpful. And taking the time to celebrate success in this very busy, fast-paced world that we live in, we don't always factor in time to just stop and to reflect 
on the things that we do well you know at the end of the day do you go back on your day and think about okay what were my successes what were the things that went really well because the brain has a wonderful gift that it gives you um you know when we spend time and we actually reflect on successes it releases hormones that promote that feel-good factor but only if we actually give it time to stop and do that little bit of reflection so celebrating success every single day of your life is really important and something that I do, and I really believe this contributes hugely to cultivating a positive mindset, is I take a daily dose of vitamin G. And what I mean by this is vitamin gratitude. And this is about taking time in the morning, in the evening, to just think about things you're grateful for. So I have a little gratitude stone I keep on my toothbrush. It's a little anchor. And I take it in the morning when I'm cleaning my teeth. And I just think, okay, what are the things in my life that I'm really grateful for right now. And there are lots of things that I am grateful for right now. And in the evening, I go back through my day and I think, what were the highlights? What were the three things in my life that I was most grateful for? And actually doing this every day is, is really helpful. I wrote a book a few years ago on gratitude and there's a professor in America called Robert Emmons. He's done loads of work with people with mental health challenges and depression. And he got a group of people to keep gratitude stern, gratitude journal every day for 28 days and at the end of it they did some analysis and identified that it boosted their happiness levels up to 25 percent it's a lot of extra happiness and i remember when i i went to afghanistan i did some work with the un in in uh, kabul and i met a national out there he was a fascinating guy uh, he'd never one of my favorite people i've ever met i believe he's never been out of afghanistan and we had some great conversations and he said to me, you know, in life, there are three things that we can all be grateful for, no matter where we are, no matter what our circumstances are, as long as we've got something to do, as long as we've got a purpose, as long as we've got something to love, whether that's a person, something you're passionate about, but most of all, as long as we've got something to hope for. And that is so important to have that hope on the horizon to help us to keep moving forward. So I guess that, you know, if you can find something to be grateful for in places like Afghanistan, in this very privileged world that we live in, we can certainly find lots of things to be grateful for. So just to recap, that's something to do, something to love and something to hope for. And the future might be uncertain, but this uncertainty is at the very heart of human creativity. And this is one thing that we have the opportunity to do right now. I don't know about you, but I've certainly had to use creativity to look at different ways to work, uh, different ways to, to kind of live my life, working from home and all, all of the challenges that those that brings. Um, so creativity is really key. And the good news is, and some latest research has showed that if we do one creative activity a day no matter how small that can actually have a very positive effect on our mental health so creativity is is something that can be very helpful and take action i'm a big believer that particularly when we're having a down day and things aren't going right and we start to feel a bit anxious that by doing one small thing just the tiniest thing and we do that that can lead us on to the next thing so action is something that is very very helpful so nothing diminishes anxiety faster than action 
I've got this poster here um, and this kind of summarizes a few things. It's really good to have visuals. I, if you came to my house now, you'd see I've got lots and lots of different visuals. I have a, a sign at the bottom of the stairs and it says, your day will go the way the corner of your mouth turns. <laughs> it just reminds me to, to just bring um, you bring things up a bit and think about the positives and smile that can help but there's lots of things here to encourage you and having visuals around is very powerful I've just put together um, a well-being pack of posters so I've got six different posters so if anybody would like a complimentary set of these I'm really happy to share those so my email address is just liggy at liggyweb.com so please if you would like those um, just email me and I can pass those across to you and um, I've got lots of, of support materials I'm going to share with Amel and James the, the links to, to the various libraries I also have lots of bite-sized books and if you do if you are interested in any of them there is actually a discount code there it's just save 25 and when you go on to the library when you get to the checkout you just put the code in and it will give you 25 percent discount off um, all of those books there so hopefully some of those um, things will, will help to support what I've covered here I'm going to hand back over to Amel now because we'd love to know if you've got any questions. Now, I'll do my best to answer them. If I can't answer them, I'll try and signpost you. But please, as I said, feel free to email me. And if there's stuff you want to ask me offline, um, then I'm happy to, to, to share that as well. So thanks, Amal. I hope that was, uh, that was okay for everybody. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much uh, uh, for sharing. And uh, I quite liked your uh, vitamin G with the gratitude, in fact, uh, to try and keep uh, a positive uh, mindset. Um, so thank you very much. We've got uh, one person um, um, had asked if you were able to sort of write the name of a book about the psychology of American author that you mentioned earlier on. Yeah, it's called Mindset. So just Mindset by Carol Dweck. And I would really recommend anybody who's got children buys that book in particular because she's done such great work. She's, she's fabulous. And there, she has got a TED talk as well um, that's, that's quite interesting to watch. Thank you. Um, the other question was how to manage stress in professional lives. Well, do you know, I would go as far as saying that one of the, well, probably the most important relationship as a human being that you can have is with yourself and your stress levels and, and understanding and just being very aware of where you're at in terms of that rise of stress, because we all have it. Stress is not the enemy. We need a certain amount of stress in our bodies to be able to, to help us to, to galvanize us, to be able to deal with difficult situations. But it's that kind of rise of stress and it's when it becomes imbalanced um, because it takes our body out of balance and then we start to get tired and it, and it causes all sorts of different things. So the first point that I would say is be aware of what your triggers are. It's really important to understand what those are. And secondly, you need to understand what happens to you. So be absolutely in tune with how stress manifests because some people, you know, I, I get particularly irritable when I get stressed. Some people get emotional, some people get neck ache, headaches. So just being aware of what, what happens because that will help you to be in tune. And then what you need is you need to put in some kind of action plan in place for how you reduce stress um i one of the the most simple things is learning breathing techniques personally i've found that the most powerful thing for me in any situation where when you're getting anxious when you're getting stressed 
just having some breathing exercises can really just help you to be able to calm down. But there's lots of different things um, that you need to do. But most of all, be aware of the rise of stress because you tend to be able to manage stress okay if you've got it at a kind of sensible level. But when you're kind of overwhelmed, you're not as in control and you can't manage it effectively. So, so that's uh, really key. I keep a regular blog. Um, and if you have a look on my blog, that I have done a blog on managing stress and all the different things that you need to do to be able to not reach that point of near burnout because i think right now many people are, are quite overwhelmed with stress and you don't it stretches is a bit insidious the way it works you're not always aware of it so just raising that level of awareness very good point thank you and uh, angel is asking is sharing your stress with others uh, to be a good thing Right. I, I'm going to answer this really clearly. I, I'm a big believer that getting stuff off your chest is a useful thing. However, it has to be in the right constructive environment. One, it's got to be with somebody that's, you know, not in a really difficult place themselves, because if we're not careful, kind of on offload. And that person might not be receptive to that because they might have their own stuff going on so you've almost got to have a, a kind of an agreement that that it's appropriate so thinking about that the, the timing and the other thing as well is to be very constructive because there are always kind of two choices of when we vent you know sometimes we just vent and we don't think about the solution we don't think about how the constructive path we want to take beyond that we just get stuff off our chest and then it's not going anywhere so doing it in a very constructive way but bottling stuff up is not healthy either. So it's getting that balance. Yes, get it off your chest, but make sure it's in a constructive way and you're looking at a very solution-focused pathway with it. Thank you. Lisa is asking, what would, we, what would be your top three tips to completely switch off from work at 6 p.m. to totally enjoy personal life uh, every evening? Yeah. Well, the first one is to be really disciplined with those boundaries because we have that boundary creep, don't we? Where we say, oh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, I'll just do five more minutes. Oh, I'll just pick up that email. So it's about, you know, being, you know, you've got a date <laughs> and you're off on that date and that's what you've got to do or, you know, that meeting or, or, or whatever. Um, so giving yourself that absolute discipline, that's what you're going to do. The second thing, and this works so well, is when you finish work and i found this two two things that have I've really helped me during this sort of lockdown home working is in the morning i make sure i get up i get dressed i get sorted and then before i start work i i go for a walk around the block and if it's a really rainy day I just, i'm very you know fortunate i've got a garden i go and have a walk in the garden but i always get outside and do something and come back in the house and that's exactly what i do when i cut off in the evenings so i say right finish work now and i'll literally go out go and have a walk, come back into the house. And that is the time, you know, both um, my husband and I working from, from home at the moment, it's really important that we create those boundaries because otherwise you, you, you know, to begin with, I must admit, I was working a bit later on or, you know, and having those discipline boundaries. So they, those are, are two things as well to be able to do. And I guess the third one is making sure that you are really disciplined. You know, when you create your, your morning plan, you work in, you know, okay, I'm going to have a coffee break at this time. I'm going to have lunch and then I'm going to finish work and you give yourself 
allocate that specific working time. You know, it might be some days you think, actually, I quite like to, you know, finish at four o'clock and have an hour if that's if you've got flexible working and then I'll do you know a bit more work later. But being aware at the beginning of the day exactly how you're going to structure the day is really helpful. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Richard is asking, do you have any suggestion for ways to promote a positive mindset, mindset across a team of people? Yeah. And, and this is about encouraging those conversations, isn't it? You know, when we're collaborating or leading teams, it's about really opening up the conversations and, you know, really educating people on the kind of language that they're using when they're, you know, working in groups. And, you know, if you notice and pick up on teams that you've got pockets that maybe are feeling, you know, quite negative, it might be then reaching out to them and opening up the question. I think more so than ever, and something I've noticed with the companies and organizations I've been working with, that remote leadership, you need to, to really look at how you're leading, if you like, the, the well-being as well within your team. And just to let you know, I am actually going to do a webinar, a free webinar on the 4th of August on leading well-being. So if anybody wants to, to join that, you're very welcome to, because there's going to be some tips there on how you kind of lead, if you like, that well-being and that positivity within teams. So hopefully that would be helpful. But really being quite... Um, proactive in opening up some of those dialogues and, and conversations is really important because we're all being affected in different ways you know some people love working from home and some people really don't okay thank you michelle's question is how would you keep positive and stress-free in an interview situation well do you know i I do think breathing is very good at kind of regulating and de-stressing, you know, whether you've got an interview, a presentation and you're getting quite anxious about it, to just be quite centered. And, and, and that can be very, very helpful just in terms of, of breathing. And I also believe that the power of, of our conscious mind over our subconscious is key. So using things like positive vis visualization and thinking about the kind of language that you're telling yourself and reframing, if you like the negative or self-sabotaging language, that can be really helpful in interview situations as, as well. Thank you. And of course, being really well prepared, that always helps. <laughs> um, we've got uh, Kennedy who is asking, is it possible that some professions are more stressful than others? If so, what do you recommend for supply chain management professionals? Well, do you know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think there are certainly some occupations and some professions where perhaps you, you, you know, there's more sense of urgency in, in environments that you're in. But from what I've learned through all my years of working around behavioral, um, you know, kind of science and changes that very much up to the individuals you know there are some individuals that aren't particularly good at coping in under pressure and other individuals that really thrive on it and then there are some individuals that might thrive on it but they don't like look after their own self-care during the process so i think it's very much to do with with your with each individual as much as the the occupation really and when it boils down to it it's about being able to manage your, your stress as i said you know your relationship with stress how do you manage your stress in stressful situations and being really aware of how you do that and having a good toolkit of resources so that you can educate yourself to be able to deal with that will will be the most helpful thing to do okay thank you 
And the last one is from Matilda. How to help students who are overwhelmed with this astronomical life change during class with this pandemic as their professor is also, for lack of a better word, also challenged? Yeah, and, and I would say that this is, is probably in, you know, student situations, educational work situations where particularly, you know, perhaps teachers, leaders, that they're, they're really stressed out, the people that they're, they're involved with are really stressed out. And I think, again, it's this acknowledgement that, you know, we are, we're all in the same storm, we're all being affected in different ways and opening up that dialogue of communication and being able to work more collaboratively together and sharing really good practice. Um, that's something that, that's going to be able to, to help. And I guess it's also as well, giving people permission as well to acknowledge their humanness. You know, we are, we're all struggling in different ways. And I think that we have the opportunity to all pull together in that respect as, as well. So I would say a combination of real open communication and dialogue, empathizing with each other, but also educating ourselves in terms of what we can do and keeping it simple. There is a lot to be said right now for simplifying as much as we possibly can so that we don't end up so overwhelmed. Yeah, definitely uh, agree on that. And I guess th those type of uh, discussions and all of the tips that you've given us should help us to try and navigate uh, through, um, through this situation. Thank you very much. I don't know if there is any other questions that um, anyone would like to ask. We've gone through them all. And now there's a couple of questions in the actual chat box as well. Uh, people yeah, them. You, yeah. Uh, just a second, sorry. <clears throat> so someone asked, will, will the webinar on leading well-being be advertised, I guess, through SIPS? Is it okay for you to share the, the details, uh, Liggy? Yes, yeah, well, I'll share all the details. Or if you just want to email me, um, Liggy at LiggyWeb.com, I can send you the direct link as well. That's fine. Thank you. Um, someone also mentioned if revising for exams and finding it difficult to memorize information, does, do you think that the breathing exercise help and should you clear your mind or focus on what you are trying to learn? Yeah, do you know one of the biggest things that will help you when studying is managing stress because when we learn to be a bit more relaxed and we learn to really kind of get that balance, your, your mind will be able to absorb things but when we get get stressed it, it can affect that so definitely comes back to that magical word stress doesn't it so managing those stress levels will will be really helpful and learning some really good relaxation techniques is very very helpful it will help you to be able to to process information it will help you to be able to retain information so i, I would definitely suggest quite a big focus on you know ask yourself what are you doing to relax the other thing, and I can't begin to stress this enough when you're studying particularly, is making sure that you're getting really good sleep. Um, per, I found that personally firsthand myself when I've been doing you know, any kind of study or research. You get really good, good solid sleep. It's amazing how that is, how healthy and good that is for, for your mind and your ability to focus and retain information. 
And I think I'll just add one little tip uh, to be able to write down uh, things that are in your mind before you go to sleep, because very often if you've got a lot on, it's uh, uh, quite difficult also to get uh, a proper a proper sleep and that's uh, sometimes quite useful. Um, just one last question, I guess, and I don't know if you'd be able to uh, um, sort of give some pointers on, on this, uh, Ligi. How would you deal with a micromanager? I guess that is adding a bit of stress to yourself. <laughs> Do you know, lots of the time that people micromanage um, is usually when they're stressed themselves. So, you know, when you're being micromanaged by a micromanager, it can be quite frustrating as well. So I think the first thing is it helps you to kind of empathize and realize that they're doing that because they're quite stressed as well. So it can be useful sometimes to just gently open up um, that that dialogue and to be you know quite quite honest um, and sometimes asking them you know when they need that detail of information without you know in a you don't want to do it in a, obviously a confrontational way but actually to sort of open up the dialogue so that you ask them you know why why they would need you know that level of information and you could just say it would really help me to understand I know you're asking this from me um, but it'd be great for me to understand exactly why you know you need that that deep level of um, detail or information, just that will help me in terms of, you know, what I'm delivering. So open it up as a conversation, but actually kind of almost bouncing back to them, their reasons will help them to open their own mind up, to think about, well, why are they asking for, for that level of detail? Because very often it is because they're stressed themselves. I see that so much in organizations where, you know, the level of micromanagement is because when we feel stress, we feel out of control. So micromanaging is all about controlling. So having that empathy, it's not about you personally. It's very often about how, you know, that person's dealing with their own stress levels. I hope that helps. Well, definitely. Thank you very much. Um, I think we've gone through all of the questions. <laughs> So um, um, thank you very much, uh, Ligi, for uh, giving us uh, these insights. Uh, um, I'm sure that everyone will have find uh, some bits to hopefully uh, uh, um, uh, put within their uh, own lives and um, um, and try and um, enable us, I guess, to better navigate uh, uh, the situations that we are uh, that we are in. So uh, really appreciate it a bit. <laughs> thank you thank you oh well it's been a real pleasure and thank you very much for for asking me to come and present and as i said if anybody wants to get in touch please do great thank you very much okay, have a lovely week everybody thanks a lot everyone and great to have seen uh, uh, some people from ghana kenya south africa and uh, and other countries so um, i hope you find uh, the session useful too Thank you very much. Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.